What's going on, family? What's going on? What's going down? What's shaking? Welcome to another episode of Jonathan Soul. I have the honor of talking to Turtel only. If you've ever been to a black comic book convention, then you owe him a debt of thanks. He kind of originated the Black Age of Comics conventions, uh, and they kind of flourished and they spread, and they're under different names, but the same spirit applies. Uh, not only was he influential in bringing uh, you know, creators together, uh, also he formed like a guild, you know, a black artist guild back in the day. He talks about that in uh, one of the interviews that we've done. And uh, he also even goes into um, how, you know, some of the, the, the characters he's created have influenced, you know, uh, major Marvel, uh, you know, allegedly major Marvel movies that we know and love. So uh, let's get into the first part of my interview with Turtel Only. Um, uh, he kind of gives you his origin story. You know, he, he dropped some serious wisdom about, you know, the, 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 the creative renaissance that happened in Chicago, comparing it to, you know, to the, the Harlem Renaissance. It's just so much in here. Check him out. Uh, you can find him at OnlyStudios.com, O-N-L-I, Studios.com, or Turtel Only. Let's listen. Tell me some of the influences uh, that came to bear uh, in your art style. Well, I would say that, you know, you got like spontaneous development. In my case, a lot of the artwork that became or the images that became uh, the particular pyramids, it was two things. One, it came from sketches that I was planning to use in my fine art. Okay. And then when I was, when I was living and working in France, I, uh, this would have been in the late 70s, I went to the Louvre and they had an exhibit and one of the exhibits was like a foot that was about four feet long out of granite of what was left from a Nubian statue wow. that Napoleon that Napoleon had brought back from his, quote, Egyptian campaign. Mm -hmm. And then when I turned the corner, they had a lithograph of Napoleon with cannons shooting the nose off of the Sphinx. Okay. Yep. And so, so I got offended and I'm like, now, you know, how do I respond to this? And so that response came to me creating the Nubian of greatness, Nog, the protector of the pyramids, coming from a Nubian worldview, because what most people don't know, Egypt was a configuration that came from Europe when they wanted to take Kemet, Nubia, out of Africa and put it in the Mideast. Hmm. And, so, and so my idea was to put the black face back on it all, by going with Nuba and going with Nubian as a worldview and planet Nuba. Mm -hmm. So I was looking at, I started looking at a lot of the work of the Nubian people and what they were doing in their own sense of symbolic um, representation, uh, scarification, body beautification, and things like that. And then I looked across the other way, going across Africa to the West, to the Dogon people, and the Dogon were cliff dwellers. And when the Europeans encountered them and asked, like, where did you all come from? I mean, how did you get up in these cliffs and these mountains? They pointed up to the sky to what turned out to be the Cirrus dog star system. They yep. knew where it was. They had it charted and everything. Mm -hmm. So yep. right there. So, so for me, I connected those two points and flowing with what I call genetic memory, meaning coming out of just my own DNA 
to craft images and storyline that ultimately became that book. Hmm. Hmm. You know, there's a lot of comics that are being created and I, I go through them and I only review certain select books. And the reason why I do it is because I know how important it is for black people, Africans in America, Africans all over the planet to control their own images. Tertel, can you speak to that? Can you speak to the, to the, to, to the importance of black people, Africans controlling their own images? Yeah, I like that you used the word African because the great prophet, Peter Tosh always had a song called, you know, wherever you are, you an African, yep. you know? And so, and so rather it's the location of the time period with African people. None of that people and people of color shit. I'm talking about Africans in America, Africans in the Caribbean, whatever. We, we're African people, wherever we are, one drop you African. And so going forward, we control the making of the images. We don't control the commerce that goes with the proliferation of the image. Okay. So there's always been African image makers, always. I mean, you go back to the Bible, and you know Pharaoh had to be a brother to behave like that. We know each other. <laughs> and, and we look at the Sphinx, you know, we're controlling that image. <laughs> and so somebody coming along with more commerce at another period of time may have the resources to control how the image gets out there. Okay. Uh, you may reference to Pedro Bell, I want to say, not influence, but it's like spontaneous generation. See, like people don't understand the black African cultural movements that came out of Chicago. The, the late uh, Elijah Muhammad was based here. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesse Jackson was based here. Johnson Publishing that gave us Ebony Magazine was based here. Yep. Major black-owned advertising agencies were based here. They were all in Chicago. Mm. I mean, myself, I grew up, I grew up, my grandfather raised me, and uh, he was a, a, a Pentecostal pastor that created artwork, huge charts to go with his sermons. Wow. And, of course, the people look like they should have looked. They all look black. So I grew up looking at this as a little boy, four, five, six, and seven. So... When people start talking about a black Jesus, I'm like, y'all tardy to the party, <laughs> you know? And so, and so here we always had a strong black threshold. What the segregation in Chicago did was create a thriving black community that looked at itself with its own money. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the Harlem Renaissance, as fantastic as it was, was really controlled and engineered by people who weren't black right. who were funding, who were funding something called the new Negro. Mm -hmm. Where, whereas in Chicago, it was black money behind black thought. It was black money behind black creativity. And, and that's why we created, you know, president Obama, he comes out of the same neighborhood. I mean, if you came to Chicago, he lives about a five minute walk from Louis Farrakhan. I heard that. Wow. And if you go, and, and, and if you go five minutes the other way, you get Jesse Jackson and Operation Push. Mm -hmm. And if you come five minutes my way, you got the birthplace of the Black Age of Comics. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all right here in the cluster. We're all right here in the cluster, functioning with this and have been. So it's, um, you know, it's that kind of consciousness. So I just wanted to say that if you get a chance to come to Chicago, you want to look at these things and and see the nexus of that. Absolutely. Now, before we get into how the Black Age of Comics developed, of course, I want to introduce my, my audience to the man, uh, Tertero. So um, 
tell me how you uh, how, how you started out as an artist. Um, you know, was it like dry media? Was you painting? Did you go to art school? You know, that kind of thing. Can you talk about your development as an artist? Okay, I'm running down real quick. Um, like I said, my grandfather was a Pentecostal pastor, mm-hmm. and he owned considerable property. You know, he took me in. My mom passed when I was two, so when I was three, oh wow, okay. His sons, were, his sons were all sitting at the table making art, and I walked over and said, well, how do you do this? And they put me in a chair and gave me a pencil, and it's like an explosion went off in my head. So it's like, boom, I'm an artist. And so I'm watching them make art. I'm, I'm watching Pops do his charts. Mm-hmm. So, so I've been making art ever since. So a lot of you know, other artists, I didn't arrive at 15, 20, or 30 with some kind of an epiphany. I was doing it the whole time. And mm. so my art making, my art making and my thinking and my growing all kind of coalesce together. To me, the visual process is really my first language and my indigenous language. Okay. okay. And I'm pretty fluent in it. Uh, then after that, uh, sure, I wanted to go out. I ended up at the School of the Art Institute because, you know, I had a big head. I thought if you're the number one school, then I'm going to the number one school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I went there. Um, I got my master's in art therapy. I got my undergrad in art education. Wow. Um, I freelance. I freelance my way through school. I didn't have a scholarship. So, you know, I worked for Ebony Magazine, Motown. I did album cover design. I worked for Playboy okay. doing artwork. Uh, how, did you, how did you end up in France? Um, when art directors, you know, I was a little naive, right? Okay. When, when they didn't want to be bothered, when they didn't want to be bothered with me, they say, well, you know, your work looks real European. So I thought that meant I needed to go to Europe. Okay. <laughs> you know, what it meant was they just weren't feeling my style. So so I got a one-way ticket and uh, couldn't speak a word of France, French, rather, and wow. went to the Riviera and, and hustled my way to Paris and, you know, worked for magazines and fashion houses there. And um, I even worked with the Rolling Stones where I illustrated an album cover for them that fortunately did not pass censorship. Okay. Okay. It, it, it would have been good for the money, but it would have been hard to face down in the public. Um, but, you know, the thing is, I always had the aspirations to be involved in illustration, fine art, animation. You know, these are things that I just kind of grew up looking at in the world and thought I could do that and I'd go after it. All right, family, I hope you dug that interview. I definitely want you to follow up with the the elder Churchill only. Uh, He's definitely given a lot to the culture, a lot to the movement of black entrepreneurship uh, in the comic book and fiction space. Go over to uh, onlystudios.com, O-N-L-I studios.com, and uh, you can definitely uh, find out what events that he's holding and, uh, and then, you know, what artwork and books that you can grab. Uh, Also, if you want to support this podcast, If you feel like there's value being presented here, go over to Amazon.com. Look up Malcolm Mars by Jonathan Soule, yours truly. And you can pick up my space opera, uh, Malcolm Mars. Three brothers take their families to Mars in a homemade starship. It's a sci-fi ebook space opera. (laughs) And it's the kind of book that I wanted to see. I didn't see it, so I wrote it. And you can definitely support this podcast. Uh, follow me on uh, Twitter uh, and uh, Instagram, J-O-H-N-A-T-H-A-N-S-O-U-L. Go to my website, johnfasol.com for my uh, my uh, other interviews, 
and my comic book reviews. You can also check out my YouTube channel, Jonathan Soul, where you can catch all my uh, my uh, videos uh, of comic book reviews. Love you guys. Hope our dreams come true. Check you out next time. JonathanSoul.com. Peace.